Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. Today, I have with me a professor and author who's going to talk about some of her work on motivation and even her book. Um, I'm excited because I've started reading the book. I'm not done yet, but I already have some questions. I hope she doesn't tell me to finish the book. But um, I have a few things I want to ask, and I'm pleased to introduce uh, to uh, my, my, my listeners, um, colleague, new colleague that I have met, uh, Dr. Ailet uh, Fishbach. Uh, welcome, Ailet. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Well, glad to have you, and um, I, I know that you are a professor at, um, at the University of Chicago um, in the School of Business, and you, you uh, teach in, and actually a professor of, of what's behavioral science and marketing, so I have a lot of things I wish I, we had enough time to go into to talk about, but what I'm really fascinated by is that um, your work on motivation. So I told you that I, too, am a professor, and I te- actually teach a class um, on leadership and decision-making, and part of that class it focuses on um, why, uh, or I should say how um, leaders might inspire individuals in their organization and motivate individuals in their organization uh, to share in their vision for the future. So um, I know that that's, that's somewhat related to your work in motivation. Some of the things that my students read are around motivation. And so I'd love to start with asking you because um, I've seen this, and there may be a number of people who've, who've seen this term before as well, um, because I know that you are a member of the Society of Experimental Social Psychology. So I, I would love to start with asking you the question, first of all, um, what is social psychology, kind of what's the difference, what, what is social psychology, and what is experimental social psychology, and then would love to hear a little bit about the work that you do at the University of Chicago just to get us started. Yes, yeah, so, you know, thank you for this uh, question. Uh, well, uh, also thank you for starting Get It Done. Uh, hopefully you'll get it done. Uh, <laughs> I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a social psychologist, uh, uh, which uh, means that I run studies uh, that are uh, uh, meant to explore uh, how, um, how the situation, how the circumstances, how the environment in which people are uh, affect uh, their performance. Uh, in particular, I'm interested in motivation, so I study how the places we are at affects uh, where uh, motivation. This is in large part an experimental uh, work uh, that is we design interventions and uh, uh, we compare them to a control group. So we, you know, we, we ask some people to perform a task in one way and other people to perform a task in another way. and. Then we uh, see uh, who does better, who stays on task. 
who's uh, more uh, motivated. Mm-hmm. Luckily <laughs> for me, uh, I, uh, I teach uh, motivation and, and management, which I think is easier than teaching leadership. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it, specifically, it's easier, I think, to teach motivation because there is an explosion of uh, studies on motivation. Mm-hmm. This is... <laughs> This is also why I wrote the book. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I've been doing this work for like probably 20 years by now. And uh, when I started, there was much less than we have today. Uh, there's so much that we do on, on motivation. You asked me a few other questions. Mm-hmm. I, um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to explain what is experimental social psychology. Yes. And hopefully social psychology is exper- experimental. I'm a psychologist. Uh, if you Google uh, my name, Ayala's Fishback, you might see that I'm an economist, which is not mm-hmm. true. Uh, it's because I'm at the business school, and so it's a common mistake. Mm-hmm. I see the, the psychology of uh, staying motivated. Mm. And so, and w- does when you say the of staying motivated, um, give me some examples of the kinds of studies that you. Uh, you you lead because I, when I think about that from a business perspective, there are all kinds of research that I've consumed around what makes people feel like they belong to a group and and work really hard in a group, um, what inspires them um, in an organization to be productive. So I, so what, what exactly, what aspect of motivation do you study? Give me an example of like what, one of your studies. Yeah. yeah. Well, many uh, aspects, uh, actually. I do work on exercising. I do work on healthy eating. I do work on educational goals and what uh, keeps some students uh, motivated and, and get to higher achievement than uh, others. And then, of course, uh, I do work about the workplace. And mm-hmm. what, uh, what makes uh, some employees uh, excited and you know, willing to, uh, to do the hard work while uh, other employees uh, find themselves lacking the, the motivation and more... Sure. Um, find it harder to get uh, you know, uh, out of bed and uh, into their office, whether it's at home uh, mm-hmm. or not. As I say that, I realize that for many people in America right now, their bedroom is their office. So, you know, yes, maybe, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. absolutely. Maybe the, the problem there is uh, how to uh, like stop sleeping and uh, start working. Uh, it's certainly a hard <laughs> sure. win. It's sure. the same thing. Uh, oh, but I, yeah, but the research on motivation is, is really like it, it's about finding commonalities across these uh, different goals. Some of the goals that people have are very uh, idiosyncratic. They, mm-hmm. they, they want to achieve something that is uh, unique to them. I, uh, now in, in my book, I start with the example of people that want to get to the summit of Mount Everest. Yes. This is not a goal that is shared by many, uh, mm-hmm. but for the people that want to get to the summit of Mount Everest, uh, that's uh, that's their goal in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for you, uh, that might be uh, training the next generation of leaders in America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, I, I as you spoke, what immediately came to mind for me um, was. 
what has been in the news media quite a bit, let's say over the last two years, I would say, is this term, the great resignation. And so that there are groups of people, and I don't know much about it, but that there are groups of people who are no longer motivated to go and be a part on one in one hand a part of the co- the co- uh, corporate structure or or work um, so I guess the first thing to ask you is that from your scientist that studies this is that at all true is this just kind of uh, something that is really happening on a large scale um, or are there other factors at play here it's not really just about intrinsic or extrinsic motivation to work, there are other things happening that are making people not want to work, and they, but that that still is is kind of indirectly related to motivation. So I guess first my question is: mm-hmm. Is there really some phenomena that is occurring uh, in the United States? Because I I've been to a few other countries um, over the last year, and I I can't say that I see the same dynamic. So uh, that's my first question. Is that is that real? Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, that is, uh, many people resign. Okay, in, uh, and we see that in the, uh, the numbers, and for a while it looked like a correction. Okay, obviously, few people uh, resign uh, in the first months of the pandemic, so we thought maybe that this is just a correction for that. It seems to be a more than that, it seems to mm-hmm. be that many people are uh, looking to do something else uh, with their lives. Uh, it looks more like reshuffling, okay, like people are uh, quitting their jobs and finding other jobs, so they are not staying unemployed, they are just moving to something different. It's also interesting to note that there is uh, generally an increase in productivity. Okay, so for the now, if you take people that uh, are doing the same job, or the mm-hmm. pair job, you see that uh, as the people are working more, it's not a huge effect on the individual level, uh, but some people that try to quantify that say that maybe 30 minutes uh, more uh, for many people in, in many jobs per day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It adds up, that's a, you know, that's a, a large increase in productivity. It is mainly attributed to many people working from home and not commuting. So there is one hour for the average American that is uh, saved by not commuting to work and increasing productivity. This is not, mm-hmm. this doesn't really answer what happens to the, the people who resign. Okay, that tells us more that in a given job, people are staying productive and staying uh, motivated. Uh, the resignation is a really interesting, or the reshuffling, a really interesting phenomenon for us. It, it seems like the, the, the pandemic was a wake-up call for many Americans. Okay? Uh, mm. in, you know, in surveys prior to the pandemic, about mm-hmm. uh, 70% of uh, the employees are unhappy at their job. And, mm. you know, they, they are there because they, they think at one point I would look for something else. Right now, I you know I, I need that steady income, and the pandemic was really like, you no, know, some someone is is holding you and, and say like, are, are you sure that this is how you want to live your life? Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, 
is that the right job for you? Is this the right path? And many people said, that, no, I need to do as something else. Something else, right. right. Yeah. It might be good. Okay, that mm-hmm. It's possible that, uh, that many people are finding jobs that are better for them. Sure. What, but, you know, the question that you raise is one that comes up, but where did the people go? So if it was a matter of they uh, were looking for the right fit, um, it doesn't seem to match what the labor statistics suggest, which is that there are a lot of these people are no longer in the workforce. Um, it, it wasn't just a shift, but that we actually lost workers in the workforce. So um, it's an interesting question, but as it relates to motivation, um, what was it that caused them, you know, I guess yeah. specifically, we know something made people, they, so they were unhappy, but what is it that would make them happy um, or make a difference? Um, which is something, you know, that I I will say at the university, uh, we, you know, when, as we are recruiting, uh, we find different things um, appeal to different people about programs and in, in a variety of areas. And our uh, real kind of challenge is to try to figure out how to best represent our program that then turns into motivating people to say, yes, I want to do that program or this program um, for my, my growth and development. Um, and so, which leads me to another question I had around, you know, kind of motivation is um, what seems at least now as we are uh, appear to be in this new phase of, of, of the work, life, um, if there's any preliminary information about what is it mostly intrinsic motivation or extrinsic motivation that is making the biggest difference in how people are making decisions. And I, I'll, I'll leave it to kind of life decisions in general. Mm-hmm. There may be some specifics. What do you know, uh, if anything, about um, how what's making people um, make those decisions? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit different uh, for work than maybe other domains. And uh, what influences people's decisions is a little bit different than what influences their ability to follow through on uh, uh, these decisions. And you, uh, now you mentioned intrinsic motivation, which is basically the value that we get from doing the thing, okay? the, the immediate rewards, okay? like why, why that feels right or good or fun at the moment of doing it, which is different than the, than the delayed benefits, okay? the long-term uh, goals, the extrinsic motivation. And uh, what we find is that when people make decisions, they, in particular when these are decisions about the future, they tend to undervalue intrinsic motivation. So when uh, uh, people choose a job, uh, that they, they will start, you know, in, in a month or so when will be their next job in life, they often underestimate intrinsic motivation. They often focus on salary and, and benefits, which are all important, mm-hmm. uh, but tend to underestimate how much they, they, they will enjoy 
the day-to-day. -day. I will tell yeah. you about one study that we ran, which is really trying to bring this to the lab, okay? So, like, we have data from surveys when people are considering, like, they have no real job, okay? But we also bring people to the lab and ask them to choose between uh, listening to the, the song Hey Jude by the Beatles and the loud alarm clock, okay? It's, it sounds like a no-brainer, uh, but we pay more. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, right? Like we make it the hard. We pay more for the alarm clock. Okay. 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 Uh, and and given that people come to our lab to do experiments because they want to make money, and given that people tend to underestimate how much they will value and join the task, the majority of them chooses to uh, listen to the loud alarm. Uh, after they do that, we ask them how much they regret their choice, and you know, guess <laughs> who regrets, right? So that. Yeah. The person that was just sitting there for a few minutes listening to a loud alarm clock regrets their choice. Okay, the person yeah. that listened to the the nice song, well, you know, they made less money, but they are less likely to regret their choice. And mm -hmm. so, like, we, we see that what predicts how well you do your job, how much you enjoy it, like, how much you uh, you're likely to stick with it, is intrinsic motivation. Uh, but that doesn't affect our decisions as much as it should. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's very closely related to some of the work uh, that I've been doing for a number of years around, um, you know, people and their happiness in their jobs um, being tied to how how well it is aligned to what are their strengths. And so, yeah. and, and so there's a lot of research that shows the connection between um, someone being good at what they do and, you know, their, their opinion of whether or not they have a good quality of life, that they enjoy their job, or whether mm -hmm. or not they um, think they work for a great company is largely related to the job that they're actually doing and whether or not it's, it's really a strength that they have, because um, similar to the alarm clock, no one wants to go to a job every day that they aren't good at and it's kind of like failure day after day or that they just don't like. It's not something that they like to do. It may pay a lot of money. And um, there are people who make career choice different. You know, they start out in one career because they thought that they wanted to make a lot of money. And then they realize that's not all there is to it. You know, it's that I really don't like doing X or Y. And they, they go and start doing something else. Um, I, one of my um, listeners uh, just wrote in and said um, that they, they agreed that, um, let's see here, it was that um, uh, it goes, um, we, we don't want to work for people uh, anymore. We want to work for ourselves. The phenomena is people got to see with COVID that life is too short and they no longer feel compelled to stay in jobs that they don't really want. So that's consistent, I think, with what you were saying, too. Yeah, and I, I would say like, I would say two things about this. Uh, one thing is that we saw in America in uh, Norway, uh, over the last decade a trend where uh, economic growth uh, leads to uh, companies uh, making more money, but people not necessarily as so. So there was uh, an increasing pay gap between employees and, uh, and upper uh, management. And now maybe this is what your listener is, is reflecting on, that the frustration 
different from uh, working for others. When you see that those others are doing so well, and uh, yes. uh, your paycheck uh, is not increasing by that much. But my mm-hmm. now my other more general comment is that when we look at uh, what motivates people at work, we see that there are three categories. There's the salary, of course, the compensation. There is also the personal growth that you uh, talked about, okay, like doing something meaningful, doing something interesting, doing something different than what I've been doing five years ago so that I'm changing, okay, that I'm growing. Mm-hmm. And there is the third category, which is the social aspect, okay, doing something with people that I like, doing something that my family appreciates, uh, that my uh, neighbors connect to me through the, the job that I have, that in my community, I, I you know people see me as an expert on on something, as a, uh, as, a, as like an, an important person maybe because I have a, a, that job. And, and this social aspect, our job is very much part of our identity. It's part of how we relate to people at work and outside of work, and it is very important motivator mm-hmm. at work. Mm-hmm. And so, so, but a lot of these are. There, when we talk about dynamics, these are very large-scale dynamics at play here. And so I think about as a leader, then what do I do? If these are the, if I'm saying I need to be able to motivate the people that are here in this job, and so it could be whether they're working at a coffee shop or working in corporate America. If some of, if this is really what's at play, how does the individual manager or leader play a role in that, or do they play a role at all? They absolutely do, and the way to motivate people or uh, yourself is by uh, changing something in the situation, okay? By Mm. uh, seeing uh, what's missing for the person, how can we uh, make it uh, different for them? And I, now I, I, in in my work, talk about interventions that tackle the goal setting, okay? Did you set the right goal? Okay, Mm -hmm. we know, for example, that do goals, approach goals, are much better than do not set goals and avoidance goals. It is much easier for people to pursue some destination than moving away from something that they should not do. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, although the avoidance goals tend to seem urgent. If I tell you that you should not eat red meat, that sounds more urgent than if I tell you that you should eat more green vegetables. But eating more green vegetables is a more feasible goal for most than taking something completely out of their menu. Uh, mm-hmm. Do goals are, are better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, incentives. A lot of the work is about how to set incentives. Then uh, I talk about interventions that address the feedback that we give employees. Okay? And at which point we... So we highlight with our feedback what they have achieved versus what is still missing. And you know, the, the new uh, employee uh, would like to focus on what they do and what they do right. And so mm-hmm. the feedback needs to focus on the strengths and then what the, the job that has been completed. Once people feel confident and you know, secure enough in uh, their performance, they can attend to what is missing and what, how, how can they uh, improve and 
To give you an example, like uh, if uh, a child learns how to play an instrument, you don't give them negative feedback. You focus on what they do right. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you uh, take, uh, you know, listen to a professional uh, pianist and uh, they made a mistake, it would be kind to let them know that they played that note incorrectly. <laughs> they mm-hmm. would like to, to improve based on that. Uh, that. And like thinking about feedback and thinking about when to switch from what has been done to what still needs to be done is, is an important part of what managers could uh, do. Um, addressing multiple goals and how to navigate the many tasks that people have at work, how to prioritize projects, how to find a balance. A lot of the work is on that, okay, just to to mention one uh, strategy, uh, we often encourage people to consider making the same decision many times in order to decide whether that's a good decision or not. <laughs> now, to give you an example from uh, the, the, the research that uh, no, actually we replicated many times since we did the original research, it's a very easy effect to get. If you ask people whether they will call in sick once because they they, they just uh, don't feel like going to work. Uh, I mean, they're not actually sick. Uh, they just take a sick day. Then most people say, yes, sure, I'll do that. Okay, I, one time, that's fine. Uh, if you ask people whether every time they are tempted not to work, they will use a sick day, mm-hmm. uh, then they say no. Okay, now that I think about a wide decision frame, now that I think about all the times in which I don't feel like going to work and I can use my fake sick day, they say no. So what we did is just making the decision not just about one time, but about 10 times, 20 times, every time this year, you get a different decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I can keep going, but maybe I should yeah, let you no. say something. No, in this conversation. no, 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 continue. <laughs> I think I, that's, that's very helpful framing of that. I No, I appreciate that. Yeah, okay, so I will just mention another, like, big bucket of uh, motivational interventions which uh, uh, use the social environment, Uh, basically information on what other people are doing and what other people value, okay, what your uh, role models value that, uh, uh, that you will do. And as it turned out, it is often even more important to know what other people value than what they actually do. Okay? Like when we uh, you know, decide what to listen to on, or watch on YouTube, okay? when we decide what to buy on uh, and, or online, we're often more sensitive to the ratings, okay? how much people like something mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. the majority choice, what people actually watch or by. Mm-hmm. Okay, we, mm-hmm. we respond to other people's values. And so uh, another strategy is to uh, provide information on what other people value at work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, that goes back to something we were talking about earlier with um, just what's, what's important now uh, may not have been what was important, say, before the pandemic. Um, and and yeah. some people, it took, it took the pandemic to sit and reflect on that. Uh, 
maybe uh, for some just that the amount of time between actually working and figuring out what we're going to do next, how we might work from one place to another uh, made a difference. I've seen all over the internet, social media and otherwise, I've seen people post things like, uh, you're going to have a hard time getting me back into that place that I don't like where I'm not valued anyway. Um, And so it's just interesting that um, being away from it uh, made people realize it. Uh, and, and maybe that's not so different than a lot of things, you know, that we we don't know that we don't like it as much as we do, we do until we, we no longer have it. Yes, that is true. And this is, uh, you know, the, the greatest natural experiment of our generation, uh, the, the pandemic. They, uh, mm-hmm. uh, we just had such a huge intervention, and now we uh, we see how people adjust and, and mm-hmm. what they have learned. And mm-hmm. one of the big learnings now is that uh, people discover that they want to work from home, that they want to have more flexibility. The majority of the, the workers in the U.S. Uh, say that they uh, value uh, working from home. It's interesting to note that it's more so for the high-pay jobs in general. Okay, you know, physicians are... Uh, pay that uh, just fine and they still need to go to the hospital uh, but uh, uh, engineers uh, uh, no, uh, like uh, high tech uh, um, and many management position even uh, education are mm-hmm. moving more uh, research to home mm-hmm. okay? uh, mm-hmm. where is uh, constructions uh, the food industry the lower uh, paying jobs are still very much in person, which as a society is, is an interesting shift, right? Because like the, the good jobs, uh, are the, the prior education, uh, are now very much jobs that allow more flexibility and more working from home, and, and people seem to want that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. I agree. Um, well, one one other question. I know we're already over time, but that's okay. Um, I, I did want to ask you, so back to um, your book, Getting It Done, and I, I do recommend it, uh, those of you who are in leadership and, and other positions that um, give you, that need some insight on um, this, the science of, uh, of motivation. One of the things that you, you talked about just a little while ago, but two, I want to highlight is that you talked about setting goals. And I, I heard you kind of really uh, hone that where you said setting the right goals. But in your book, you talk about setting goals. And, and I don't know if that just means that, you know, we, we, we should make a list of the things that we want to accomplish. Often what, I, what I've found uh, especially when we're talking about decision making, is that what is really the important piece is almost not the end point; it's the process you went through. You know, to to say so. I I just wanted to hear you say yeah. something about setting goals because sometimes people can set the wrong ones without the right process. So in in the yeah. book, I think in your second chapter, you you are talking about. Um, putting goals in place and asking the right kinds of questions. 
Yes. So, uh, you know, you want to set the right goal in the, you know, the way that this goal fits with, with your talents, uh, with what is exciting uh, uh, for you. Uh, the wrong goal might have the bad content, okay? It might be uh, uh, the extreme sports or extreme diets or to excel in a job that doesn't fit your interests. Okay, uh, you know, uh, uh, people uh, pursue a degree uh, only to realize that they really can't see themselves do this for the rest of their life. And so that right. the content needs to match with your interest. But also that the way you set it needs to be right. Okay? You, you want to set the right target for this goal. Okay, that how much and how soon needs to be challenging but not impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to... To set the goal such that you uh, you understand why you are doing it, and I encourage people to ask many why questions. Okay, well, why do I want to uh, study this? Because I, I I want to get a, a certain job. Why do I want this job? Uh, because I'm interested in, in understanding whatever, understanding the the mm-hmm. law. So I will mm-hmm. become a lawyer. Okay, it, it, it set the goal on on the level that is. Uh, sufficiently abstract to motivate you, not too abstract so that you it's meaningless, okay? If you ask mm-hmm. too many right questions, you might just say, because I want to be happy, and like that. <laughs> yeah. We all want to be happy. That doesn't tell me what I need to do tomorrow morning, okay? Uh, you, you want the goal to inform you what you need to do tomorrow morning, uh, but sufficiently far and abstract so that you, you understand what you are trying to achieve. You're not focusing on that. Uh, on the means and you no know, setting this like do approach goals with uh, uh, with targets that are motivating that are intrinsically uh, motivated that uh, the process is is pleasant is uh, um, is right for you feels right feels good um, all this is uh, is critical for uh, success and. Uh, there is a lot more in Get It Done, the book, mm-hmm. but I'm mm-hmm. trying to give you give you a gist of uh, of what we discovered as, as a field. There are good ways to set goals so that we are happy. I completely agree with you that ultimately it's it's not so much about reaching the goal; it's about the way there. Okay, setting mm-hmm. a goal that mm-hmm. makes you feel like you are on a good journey in your life. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you for taking time out of your schedule uh, for this conversation. And I learned a lot. I'm sure people eavesdropping on this conversation also uh, learned a lot from you. Um, Do you have any um, social media handles or uh, websites that uh, people who might want to um, learn more about your work. And, and I, I, as I said, I, I said a little bit about the book, Get It Done, um, Surprising Lessons from the Science of Motivation, but you may have other books, articles that you want uh, people to know about. Can you, anything you want to share? Yes. So everything is on my website, uh, including, uh, you know, my social media, my like Twitter and uh, Instagram and, and Facebook and whatever people use. Uh, my uh, work, my article, I have a class on uh, motivation uh, that is uh, a short uh, recorded class with a, a quiz so you can test yourself. Uh, the, 
The only thing is that you need to know how to spell my name. So it's Ayelet Fishback, so A-Y-E-L-E-T, my first name, and then my last name, F-I-S-H-B-A-C-H, AyeletFishback.com. Uh, once you uh, you get there, hopefully you'll find uh, the right way to stay motivated. Excellent. Thank you so much again, Ayelet. Uh, we um, will be listening and reading your work uh, well into the future. I will get it done, uh, finish reading your book. Um, <laughs> and so just wishing you the best. And so go well, stay well. Thank you very much.